Check out Special Ed Rising on social media, on Instagram, at Special Ed Rising, and on my website, specialedrising.com. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Special Ed Rising, the podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy day or night or whenever to join me. I hope you're doing well. So today we truly begin our exploration. And the first topic I'm going to begin speaking to you about is the practice of mindful parenting. I truly believe that if you can begin to adopt some of its methodology, your life as parent and caregiver will flood with the intrinsic rewards of a mindful approach. I hope that you're curious to learn what they are. Through my research, I've discovered a treasure trove of information, evidence-based and other, that supports this Buddhist technique when applied to parenting, and for our purposes, parenting a special needs child. And even though its central premise may sound simple, and what it promises is easy enough to comprehend, it's only with the investment of time and effort that one can truly reap the benefits of mindful integration. My plan is to split this presentation into two episodes, and the reason for that is I operate with mindfulness as the central tenet of my approach here at Special Ed Rising. I want to be sure to lay down a concrete foundation for everything else that will follow. Mindfulness as the fulcrum on which our journey here rests. So let's saddle up and take a ride. Between stimulus and response, there is a space. In that space is our power to choose our response. In our response lies our growth and our freedom. These are the words of Viktor Emil Frankl, an Austrian neurologist, psychiatrist, and Holocaust survivor. He was the founder of Logotherapy, a school of psychotherapy that describes a search for life's meaning, even in the cruelest of circumstances, as the central human motivational force. For me, this quote offers everything we need in order to live a conscious life. It highlights what may be our greatest asset, the ability to choose our response in every situation, the freedom to, as opposed to the freedom from. In an article from the Gottman Institute, mindful parenting is explained as the practice of responding thoughtfully and not with a knee-jerk emotional reaction to your child's behaviors. It's about accepting whatever's going on rather than trying to change it or ignore it. As parents and caregivers, teachers and those in positions of influence, we have this tendency to want to correct and shape a child's very being so that it lines up with our vision of what a human should be. But this isn't our role. I feel our role, beyond teaching tolerance and the respectful treatment as opposed to mistreatment of others, is to create a loving environment where that individual child is able to become their very best individual self. Diana Wilson, Director of Mindfulness Education at the UCLA Mindful Awareness Research Center, in support of this, describes mindfulness as paying attention to the present moment experiences with openness, curiosity, kindness, and a willingness to be with what is. I had a student who, at the time, was labeled as Asperger's. 
He was an anxious boy who typically didn't love change or going outside of his comfort zone. I had recently come off a very difficult period in my life dealing with anxiety and found myself with an entirely new understanding and sensitivity to others like my student. I had done a serious self-inventory and was awakened to the human struggle in ways I couldn't relate to prior. So I was paying attention as always, but now I was doing it with a raised awareness to openness and kindness. Paying attention with kindness. This involves seeing the person, child before us in that moment of discord, responding in a thoughtful, present way, and not reacting emotionally with that knee-jerk. Response being different from reaction as a response is a considered act or refraining from an act. As in stimulus happens, we pause, breathe, consider, and respond. As opposed to the latter, which is not, it's more short-sighted, uncontrolled, or impulsive. When we make time for mindful consideration, we begin to set the stage for a calmer interaction that allows for a more consistent approach to managing a difficult situation like a tantrum. It improves communication, however that works for you and your child, and it models positive behaviors for our children. One fall morning, our school was going on a trip into Manhattan to see a Broadway show. My student was simultaneously excited about the city and terrified of leaving the comfort of his routine and predictable environment. For the weeks leading up to the big day, my team and I worked to prepare him to ease the stress levels and to make this change as palatable as possible. During this time, he would ask over and again, what happens if it rains that day? My response was consistent. We'll still go and it'll be okay. When we respond with kindness, this has a domino effect on the reduction of stress levels, an increase in positive mood and improved communication for both parent and child consistency here being critical. On trip day, my student arrived and it was obvious that his anxiety was around 11. We weren't leaving for a couple of hours, so we followed our routine until then. As I sat in the back of the room, my student handed in his daily journal entry to me. He stood over me as I asked him to make one change, a daily practice he never had trouble with. But today it was a trigger, and without missing a beat, his hand swung and slapped me across the ear. Now, mindful or conscious parenting begins with an understanding of yourself. It's informed by your relationship to you. In my years coming up in this profession, in order to gain the confidence that would lead to professional success for me, I had to learn to stay open to who I was, positive and negative, with respect to my students when I entered into their world. This was no overnight achievement. I had to grow through the process and acknowledge that there's always more to learn. So now with my ear ringing and a panicked child apologizing profusely before me, I had a choice to make. Would there be a knee-jerk reaction, or would I take a breath and consider the boy and the situation? My new revelations about others' anxiety and the actions they could incite served me here. I knew that, and most of all, I knew myself. He knew that what he had done was not good, but I knew that he had no control over it. It was more of an out-of-body experience for him and a knee-jerk reaction. He was not to blame. Recognizing my ability to connect with kids and gaining their trust was due to the fact that I was gaining in self-awareness. As I grew, I was informed to let go of presumptions, standards, expectations, and greatest of all, demands. And when I learned to stay open to what might be happening for another, I took the time to consider my part in our interaction by considering my responses. And... This took a hot minute, and it's never perfect. Did I judge myself along the way? Was I hard on myself? 
Absolutely. After being hit, I stood and took his hand and held it down at his side. I didn't let on that I was hurt, and I stayed calm. Our agreed-upon behavior plan called for a visit to the principal for physical outbursts. I told him that we needed to go, and he walked with me, the entire time asking, maybe no trip? I thought this was genius, and I laughed at how smart he was to draw a straight line to a consequence that would get him out of going to the city. But believing that the only way out is through confronting uncomfortable feelings in order to grow, and also to discourage any thought that hitting would free him from such discomfort in the future, I assured him that we would still go and that I would be with him the entire time and he would be okay. Comp communication, considered response, and recognizing your child as an independent actor and not a possession who needs to see the world as you do will strengthen your connection and see you through difficult times. The trip proceeded and my student comforted himself on the bus ride by giving me a recitation on the history of Chinatown. He enjoyed the sign lines of the American Sign Language Interpreted Performance and ultimately took to the show itself. This long day's journey into night was a tremendous success and this day was a springboard for an amazing year of social and behavioral development for him. His patience improved to a point where he didn't need to know his daily schedule minute by minute in order to function and he never raised a hand to anyone that year, ever again. I know you want a close connection for yourself and your child, and in order to be successful, I suggest that we consider how being mindful lends towards that end. Now let's take a look at three areas of mindful self-compassion. First, self-kindness. We begin by shifting our personal paradigm of how we see ourselves. Self-forgiveness can be a difficult thing for many people, those with a strong conscience, or others with strict expectations of what must be. Expectations are unfair markers for those in our lives and for us. Can we forgive ourselves our humanness as long as we're not intentionally harming another? Perfect doesn't exist. Next, common shared humanity. Looking to connect with others in significant, meaningful ways that recognizes everyone as an individual who has something to contribute is monumental in our personal journey away from grounding ourselves in belief systems that label and fence others in. And lastly, mindfulness versus over-identification. Mindfulness allows you to quietly monitor and accept negative feelings with an open mind, giving them room to exist equally without reacting to them as opposed to over-identifying with a negative feeling and attaching yourself to it in such a way that it begins to take over your life or suppressing it to the point where it makes you sick. Ashley Marson is a freelance health writer and blogger who contributes to Healthline. She defines mindfulness as the practice of living in the moment, where you are in the world, what you're thinking, and how you're feeling on the inside and out, looking at the world with less judgment and more acceptance. And now I'd like to take a time out for a mindful practice. This one's entitled, Paying Attention. I'd like you to pause this podcast and go grab a snack, something you can hold, anything. Now I want you to observe it. Take a good look at it. Turn it around, upside down, however. Feel its texture. And now eat it, paying attention to how you're chewing it. Notice how it tastes. Notice any sensations in your body that occur. 
If your mind wanders, don't worry, that's normal. Don't judge yourself. And there you go. You just practice mindfulness. Mindful parenting a child with special needs, like all things special needs, requires adaptations and interpretations. But knowing what to do for your child is common to all parents. How you choose to approach your child mindfully is universal. You, as the parent, can make a conscious decision to allow your children to lead by recognizing their capabilities and limitations and by not forcing your will upon them. When we try to fulfill our unfed ego through our children, we tend to fail them by being unable to connect with them. Children do not belong to us. They're not here to meet our needs. They're not here to fulfill our wants, hopes, and desires. Children must be allowed to lead in their own way, no matter the degree of physical, emotional, and mental ability. There are thoughts in every child's mind, hopes and desires, no matter the depth of involvement from a disability, from desiring a stroke of the hair to feel loved and relaxed, to wearing a favorite Disney princess dress, to watching the same 10-second snippet of Shaun the Sheep a hundred times, to listening to the same song set on slow over and again. Simply, we have to let our children tell us who they are, and we must be available to listen to them. And finally, here are some keys to mindful parenting. These were taken from Gottman.com and Zero2Three.org. These five keys to mindful parenting are 1. Notice your own feelings when in conflict with your child. Let the feelings flow. Ride the wave. 2. Accept your child and yourself without judgment. 3. Pause before responding in anger. We can't control the feeling, but we can choose how we respond. Listen to your child's viewpoint, even when disagreeing with it. Listen with full attention. And five, imagine your child's feelings and match your response. The University of Vermont found that parents who reported more mindful parenting engaged in more positive and less negative parenting behavior, which was then linked to more positive behavior in their kids, including less anxiety, depression, and acting out. I realize that when you're overwhelmed by all of your responsibilities, starting something new can be a little intimidating. So let's start small. Schedule time in your day where you stop what you're doing and pay attention to your breathing. Connect with it. Or pick a moment in your day and focus for a few hard minutes on what you're doing. Be completely present and without judgment. From doing the dishes to feeding your fish, fully engage and connect with it. And when you hit a rough spot in your day, treat yourself how you would treat a friend. I'll be right back. And now I'd like to offer you about 30 seconds or so mindful meditation time. I'd like you to just sit back, relax, let go, and breathe. And I'll be right back on the other side.
Welcome back. And now for something completely different. This final segment of the show I'm entitling Community Share. This is a space where I will highlight some positive news, stories, and anecdotes related to the world of special needs from around the globe. It's also a place where, ultimately, it is you who I hope will provide the stories by sharing them with me so that I may share them with all of you. Today's story comes out of the UK. It's entitled, Mum Hails Stranger a Hero After Helping Calm Down Her Autistic Son by Sarah Young of The Independent. A mom was traveling home with Jack and four-year-old daughter Amy when her son started to have a meltdown. But in the midst of people who were staring, one kind passenger came to her rescue. Quote, this random lovely stranger called Dan took over and was talking to both my children, the mom wrote on Facebook. He calmed my son down and the train journey was perfect. Thank you to this man. You really don't know how much I appreciated your help. This guy is a hero. Mom revealed that she had asked the other passengers to bear with her son's tantrum, explaining that he has autism and ADHD. And at one point, when she was particularly struggling to get Jack to take his medication, Dan, 21, kindly stopped in before sitting with the family for the rest of the journey, 55 minutes. Dan shouted out, I take tablets, so how about you show me how you take them? Jack said, all right, I'll take the tablets. Dan started talking to my daughter and coloring, and after a while, Jack wanted to sit with him too. I often offer parents the idea of carrying around business cards that explain that their child has autism or other neurodevelopmental challenges to hand out to people so their curiosity is served and the parent doesn't have to suffer embarrassment, undeserved criticism, or become defensive. This is an easy way to get people to either move along or offer constructive help. Try it. I want to thank you again for tuning in today, and I hope you'll join me next week for part two on mindfulness, and in the future to hear about topics close to your heart. I'm honored to have this opportunity to share with you here. You can follow me on Instagram, at Special Ed Rising, and on my website, specialedrising.com. All music heard on today's show comes from audionautics.com. I'll attach some information on mindfulness in the community share section of the website. And for more on mindful parenting, check out my three-part blog series. If you like the show, please let me know and tell a friend. Also, let me know topics you'd like to know more about. And until next time, peace and keep rising.